What's good? We're back. We're back, back, back up we're from back. that mic. Hey, y'all. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> and I'm going to get up all up in my mic because I want to. Because you know what? According to Tap Around, Tap of the Brown, it's my business. It's my business. And you know what business we have today? Another episode of This That. And. The kitchen, the kitchen sink. sink. Yes, 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 yes. Y'all, oh my gosh. Like, I can't believe we have, like, multiple episodes. This is weird. It's weird. <laughs> it's a situation for sure. Like, we're actually keeping up with this. This is what we love to see. Listen, God is good. All right. Well, <sighs> let's go ahead and dive right in into what is quickly becoming a fan favorite segment of the podcast. Take it or leave it. Oh, that's our introduction. We're going to record that. <laughs> We're going to record that, people. And you're going to hear that every time. We announce, take it or leave it. Divine, what he just did. Okay, anywho. Let's jump first into our first take it or leave it on today. We're going to talk about one of a Black cultural icon um he has made us laugh he has made us cry um he had made he has made industry professionals question um <laughs> things <laughs> let me quickly move on before i put my foot in my mouth so four names tyler perry a billionaire y'all we got a billionaire a black man joining the billionaire club with his net worth of $1 billion. This is according to The Shade Room. Um, The playwright has just been named a billionaire, according to Forbes, with a net worth of $1 billion. Tyler gives a brand new meaning to get into the bag. The 51-year-old entertainer owns all of his creative output, including more than 1,200 episodes of television, 22 feature films, and at least two dozen stage plays, as well as a 330-acre, I didn't say square foot, acre. Wow. Studio lot at the edge of Atlanta, Southern Limits, according to reports. Um, Forbes estimates Perry has earned more than $1.4 billion in pre-tax income since 2005. Friend, are you going to take it or are you going to leave it? You know what? I'm going to take this. At first, when you first gave me the topic, I said, mm, I don't know. Um, but you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna take it. Um, you know, I am a fan of his work. Um, are what, you? I'm, what I'm not a fan of, listen to me, listen to me. <laughs> what I'm not a fan of is uh, having my money be messed with. And I have Ooh. seen his shows. I've seen his 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 movies. I've gone out and seen him on tour. And what I will say yeah. is because you now are listed on Forbes magazine as one of the wealthiest African-American men, I want to see you putting your money where it needs to go. That means I want to see hey, you hiring. I want to see you hiring black writers, black 
female writers. I want to see you mm. cultivating the next generation of artists and writers. And you've done it before, but we want to see it twice as much because you have your own studio lot that literally wow. has its own White House. Hear me when I say this because right. you filmed the Oval on yeah. your on your lot. So you have a literal yeah. replica of the White House. So what yeah. that says to me is that you got the bag, but it's how you're choosing yeah. to use it is what's in question. And I love to see mm. black content. But again, if I keep seeing black women getting taken advantage of, I keep seeing um, this this narrative of the LGBTQ community being tossed around as um, un, unvalued or unused. I want nothing to do with it because we've heard that story already. Give us something new. Y'all, give, the way I just give, me, my give me a black superhero. Give me give me gay characters who actually thrive and they're not somebody's husband on the down low. Like, come on now. Mm. <laughs> we, mm. we know of these stories, but we're not seeing them used in a positive way. So change the narrative because you have the power, Mr. Perry, change it. And again, you're, well, you're welcome to call me. You're welcome to email me because I would love to work with you. <laughs> I would love for you to take me under your um, wing and show me the ropes of the industry. I would love that. I've always asked for that. I've auditioned for you before, period. So now that I have a platform, I can say this. Like, I want to see us be better. I want us to cultivate better content because I know that we can and we shall. Come on. We shall overcome. Y'all, I'm going to take it as well. Um, I just, y'all, to hear these man's stats of, we said 1,200 episodes Twelve hundred, and that's a lot. That's episodes. a lot of money that has gone into that. Think about his fan base. Like he got people who are right. loyal, loyal, loyal. And again, as the black community, you have became a a pillar in the black community. Um, but I'm like with Brian on all of this. You know, it's really just wonderful to see him on the list, and we're thankful. We are, you know, um, is his philanthropy work. Can use a little uplifting, yes. Um, we know he does philanthropy, you know, he does write a check every now and then, but I feel like he can write more checks because what we're not going to do is let him be out here like Jeff Bezos holding all his money and he has employees in his company Oop. that literally can't pay rent. Oop. Say that again. Say that again for people in the back. There's people that work for Amazon that are working and can't pay rent. Cannot get their lights turned on because they do not have the funds. The funds. But yet, Jeff Bezos is one of or the richest man? The richest man. What was with what the article that I read on? The richest man in the United States. And I think he's working on the world. Um... But yeah, so like with Tyler Perry, so now you've joined the Billionaires Club, so I need you to um, disperse that money adequately. Um, And also, sir, I'm tired of these sets looking half-assed. Like, we be having a whole scene in a sandwich shop, because I'm specifically quoting, I think the episode is called, I mean, the show is called Brothers or whatever. Um, is another one of his rinky-dink shows. Um, and <laughs> come oh back, right, come back. Oh God, I remember. 
Y'all, yeah, because these shows really do be looking a hot mess. And I don't understand why. I just really don't. Like, so you have the funds and you are not using them adequately. Like, you have the resources, you have the connections, and we are still getting very much have ass work. Like, a fall from grace? Why is it? Why is the thing that we hold on to about that show is that it was shot in a week? What, five to seven days? A whole movie, five to seven days? Where there's movies out here taking six months, a year worth of production? And you over here throwing a whole Netflix movie on five and seven days and these wigs look a mess? I am in the bathroom. (laughs) This plot line has holes in it, left and right. But yet you have legends putting their name on the line for you? Felicia, Sicily, and you go give a half-ass work. I'm my mouth is a cape. Okay, so you are a rich man, and I just see rich man quality. Okay, when it comes to your work, uh-uh. Turn your mic on, Brian. Turn your mic on. I want the people to hear this. I want the people to hear this. I will say this. There is a song in the musical theater community that says, and you'll never walk alone. And I feel like (laughs) with some of the content that we have been given, I feel like Mr. Perry is choosing to walk alone. And this is what I'm going to say in response to what you just said. When I look at Black content, I want to see that there is as much money, there's as much time, and there is twice as much quality in the content versus our white counterparts' work as far as the film and television industry. So therefore, when my females come on set and they are doing the work, I want those wigs to look like wigs. Mm. I don't want it to look like something that you Ooh. just bought from Party City. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. I gotta come on Party City. Come on Party City wigs. I gotta come on it. Party City wigs. Hear me when I say this. I have gone on Twitter and I have seen up and coming businesses that have better lace fronts than what I've seen in some of these. I'm just being honest. Ooh. Again, I still want my check, Mr. Perry. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to block my blessing, but I want to be honest because we're, I'm trying to create a platform that's honest. Um, Come on. We love honesty. Also, we love transparency. Holding people accountable. I just, I want to see more writers. Like, like there's, there's plenty of people who want to be behind the camera Yes, let's hold on to that because my God, don't you get tired of writing, Mr. Perry? I know your <laughs> hand has copper tunnel. Wait, wait. <laughs> I know your hand. I know your wrist got copper tunnel. Okay, I know it does. Twelve hundred episodes, thirty stage plays. I can't breathe. <laughs> Twenty plus movie. My nigga, ain't you tired? I'm exhausted for you. Like, I am worn. I am weak and I am worn. Someone help me. Anywho, as you No, say, that's it. That's all I got. Because like I said, I'm not trying to block my blessing. I still think that he has done a lot for the black community. But I'm saying that we're... 
with this next step in life, with this next step of financial wealth, I want him to understand that there's more to be done. Like now that you're on this next level, we need to see better produced content. You just saying that you have your own company and your own lot isn't an excuse and it shouldn't be. Like, honestly, if I'm being quite honest, like I want to see us go farther than black women in an abusive relationship or black women trying to get on top of her feet. Let's see black Mm. people thriving. And you've given us that before. Mm. You've given us that before. So I know you're capable of doing it. But at the end of the day, just as much as I am enjoying seeing the revamped version of House of Pain, I also want to see new stories. I want to see new narratives being written. And the thing is, is that I know that there are people. We're getting a revamping that. Um, And and my thing is, and I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning. We're going to continue because I'm not trying to be messy. Who asked for that? I think it's important that you pay it forward. So when you have these people who are like, oh, yeah, I want to write with you. I want to write for you. Give them that chance. There's plenty of people out here who who are writing for television who just need that one door open. Mm-hmm. Just one. Just one. And 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 you know mm-hmm. as well as I know, Mr. Terry, well, yes. um, there are plenty of people who have will literally say, oh yeah, if it wasn't for Tyler Perry, like I wouldn't be where I was. Carrie Washington, for instance. Nobody knew who Carrie yes! was. Yes. Nobody knew yes. who Carrie was. But then she got that one, one movie. So it's just as simple as that. And sis is now Olivia Pope. It's handled. Okay, next. Hello. Next one. <laughs> it's handled. Next. Okay, here we go. Let's move on, friends. Let's move on. So, um, if you are of the Christian community, um, you may also know of a another black Christian icon. Uh, y'all, I'm trying to give these people titles for no apparent reason. So, um, Pastor John Gray um, has apologized um, to his wife and church for an alleged cheating scandal. Um, yes. Again, this is uh, another thing according to the shade room. And yes. We'll pull some topics from the shade room because the shade room be popping. Okay, moving on. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, they reported, so they as in the shade room, um, reported that Pastor John Gray was caught up in an alleged cheating scandal, according to blogger Tasha Kay of Unwind with Tasha Kay. After his team released a statement stating that this was all about extortion, it looks like John Gray has actually apologized to his wife and his church for the alleged shenanigans. Gray took to the stage himself with a message entitled Face It, with addressed, which addressed, excuse me, his indiscretions and God's love. Um, he addressed his wife. He said, as I've said to my wife, I say to her now in the moment, um, Aventer, is that her name? Yikes. Sorry. I'm over here being the Bryant and Butcher. You will scene. not on this um, podcast. I am sorry. First of all, you will not. <laughs> I am human. <laughs> I am sorry for the pain that I have caused you. And my prayer is that the life I live from this moment will be one worthy of the love that you have extended and that our family receives from, he expressed. 
I am grateful for you, for our children, and I pray that God would restore the joy that we had in the days when we would drive around the city dreaming. He said some other stuff. Um, he said, the horrific self-fulfilling prophecies that you told me, stop confessing those things. But I believe that this moment had to come so that God could make me the man that I needed to be. But I'm sorry for that pain that I've caused. Great continued. You don't deserve it. You're an amazing woman of God, and I love you. And I will face, and I will face me so that the man comes out of this moment will be, ooh, excuse me, will be able to honor you in a way that I have never before. He went on to address the church as well. Um, I'm not going to get into all that. Y'all can look up at the article. I'm going to go ahead and take it real quick. Um, Yeah, 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 yeah. First of all, I didn't even know this happened, that there was a whole alleged cheating scandal. Um, But what I'm going to swiftly um, put my mouth on is the fact I need all of these pastors those alleged and those that have been proven to keep it in their pants and lead the people of God as you should and not let your dick lead you (laughs) amen that's all I gotta say DeBrian you taking it or leaving it what you just said um i most definitely mm-hmm. am going to leave it i'm not i'm not putting my mouth in nowhere near the grace <laughs> at all nowhere near relentless at all because i know better so i'm just gonna leave it alone i mean mm-hmm. that's it i mean i just i just have to say that like because there's been too many Black pastors and church figures who are out here letting their genitals next topic, Abe. Next topic, (laughs) and that's all I got to say. But the Brian says we should move on, so we shall move on. Okay, um, yesterday, um, it's not gonna, of course, be yesterday when this podcast comes out, but yesterday on August 31st. At 8 p.m., but of course, since it was with black people, it didn't start on time. Um, there was a versus battle with the legends in the making. I will say that legends in the making. Brandy Norwood and Monica, what is her last name? And Monica. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Um, it was long awaited. There was a lot of, I would say, talk about them happening. You know, people were wondering if the beef was still from 1999 when the boy was either Brandy or Monica's. Um, We still don't know who the boy went to, but we know there was a beef that occurred and never got solved. Um so, they decided to hop on this here Instagram Live. And yes, we are 
we had it. Bops were played. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take it. And I'm going to go ahead and say there was a lot of moments where Monica did not look like she wanted to be there. <laughs> and I'm going to say that, period. Her body posture, her whole being, her face said, I am here and I agreed to this to be cordial and to also bump up my streams because versus have also talked about <laughs> the right stay with me versus has shown repeatedly that after a battle people's streams go up i mean it's a fact i'm not shading but um she would have a nice little bump up in her streams and hopefully I she'll get that so fooling with you I can't. <laughs> y'all give us a second as It gathers himself. But y'all, I'm when I say I am speaking the truth of the people, I am. So yes, like she hopped on there, but she really did not want to be there. Brandy. I saw a tweet that said Brandy is the kind of person like who's annoying, <laughs> but you know. You be trying to tolerate them. That's what that was a tweet. I can't. I wish I could quote the tweet verbatim. Um, but yeah, like Brandy was over there trying to be all super nice and stuff, and Monica really wasn't having that. She was so gone. She was so over it. Over you, you do do do, Monica. Boom, silly of me. Just run so much time to find you unfaithful, boy. I need a lost my mind. Drive by your house every night in an unmarked car. Yes. So, um, but there was really, people said Monica won. Oh, no, I forgot. People said Monica won. People said Brandy won. I said the thing went on for four hours. It was too damn long. Um, and I wanted more singing. But yes, they didn't want to be there. Now, if DeBryant may return back to his mic so he can give his statements. Um, I'm going to take, take it. it, or leave I'm it I'm going to take it. Now that I have gotten myself back okay. together because I was not ready for you to say that she was just trying to up her streams. That took me out. Um, I enjoyed myself. I did fall asleep. I'm not going to lie. It was late in the night and I had work that day. So I did fall asleep. But I will say, um, it's kind of like what we talked about earlier today, about how it really reminded me of how R&B music is supposed to feel. And how seeing the type of catalog that they both have created for themselves is beautiful. Because I mean, like I was looking on Twitter again, cause I stay up, stay up on there. Um, I was enjoying reading people's comments about how, you know, Whitney gave her stamp of, appro- of approval for not only wit, not only for Brandy, but for Monica as well. Like she very much was like, no, these are going to be people who are going to lead it way past when I, Ascend, and I thought that was so beautiful. Um, and I hate that for most of their careers, they've been pitted against each other. That's the thing that I hate it because there are plenty of Monica songs that I immediately hear and I immediately think of 
my middle school years or my high school years. And then um, there are moments that I hear from Brandy's uh, beginning, her humble beginnings. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I remember those emotions that I felt listening to her content. Have you ever loved somebody so much that they made you cry? I felt that. That was in my spirit. Have you ever Come on. loved yes. one who make you cry? Have you ever needed someone so have you ever turned right? Have you Love ever? It. Have you ever? <laughs> Y'all, I can't with this man. Clearly, he is on another one tonight, and I apologize in advance. Um, but another thing that I want to talk about to you is clearly there are still things that they need to work on between each other as far as their friendship goes. Because you can tell... Um, whoa, 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 whoa. I am, I am. I'm gonna... wisely. Okay. <laughs> it's not a friendship. Okay, well, I'll just say... It's not I'll a friendship. Just... Monica... Without saying it, she clearly said, "Okay, okay, okay." Well, I was trying to give them a little bit more grace, um, because because here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. No, here's okay. the thing, though. I think within the black community, we 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 need to start being more open about the grudges that we hold with one another, and um, I think what was important about that night and it being historic is because you saw two influential black women in the R and B industry. Because they both have content. They both have they both have really strong singles. So it's important to understand that, hey, we may not see eye to eye, but we still can work together. We can still be cordial with one another. Because I know plenty of Black people who legitimately, when they walk in the room with somebody else, they can't even lay eyes on them. Like, they might puke if they say hello. And we need to move past that. <laughs> I'm out of the words hello H E double. I mean, you can do H E Y, you can do H I. Ha, that's simple. <laughs> but some of them, huh, they H-I. are anxiety. like, <laughs> I don't know what to do for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just I, I was grateful that they were able to to see past some of their differences and still make that night mm-hmm. about the music and about the love because there still is love there. There's still maybe some mess, but there yes, still is love. Um, and I appreciated that. I appreciated that for sure. Mm. No, yeah. I I mean, there still is obviously something there. Um, I don't know. I just, but it was, it was all of her mannerisms. I mean, like they took me under. And if you are following Black Twitter, you have seen the memes, the gifts, the small snippet video clips of Monica and some of her very subtle antics. But if you caught them, baby girl, you could see that Monica, she ain't having it, okay? She's not. All right. So I feel like that's all there is to be said about that. Um I really do hope R&B music, though, um, 
the up and coming girls and the current girls of, and I'm gonna use this very loosely, quote unquote R&B, because I may I am about to upset some of you. Summer Walker is not R&B. Scissor. Don't use names. Because <laughs> you're not going because you're oh, not going to you're not going to get I'm me calling in trouble, these artists sure, I'm still trying to have a career up in these streets and you're not going to get me in trouble. I already probably didn't sever <laughs> my contract with Mr. Perry. I can already I I can see it now him being pissed. You're not going to ruin my the rest of my music career. First of all, Mr. Terry, okay? Cuz you can dance and say whatever you want to say. They're not paying you to talk. They're paying you to dance. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Continue. But did I lie? I didn't lie. It's the truth of the matter. Because he gets to say whatever he wants. Did I lie? Did I fucking lie? <laughs> did I lie? Did I lie? Did I fucking lie? The shenanigans me and Brian Beyond. <laughs> um. This is why we can't record. Oh, so I hope you know I am not editing any of that out. (laughs) I know you're not. I know you're not. And I hate you for it. But some of these current girls are not giving R&B. They're giving a a barely a vocal fold that is overproduced. Um... And overpopularized for no reason. And when you put them on a stage, they're flat the entire night, the entire song. And you go pay money to see them. Yikes. (laughs) Moving on. So, (laughs) um, our final take it or leave it, but it's really not even more of a take it or leave it. Um, It's, Really just a oh, it's hard getting through this one. Um whew. over this past weekend we lost now this is a cultural icon, a activist in his own right, um a man of strength, a man of honor. A man of integrity, just a well-rounded human being. And I didn't know him personally, but I swear I knew him. You couldn't tell me nothing. Um, Yes, Mr. Bozeman, um, may he rest in strength, rest in power, rest in peace. Um, And may he watch over us. Yes. And then just for a quick second, can we just like take a moment to hold space for him? Yes. Um, Thank you. Y'all. But we... Not only just mention him as, you know, the fact that it was a very untimely passing. Um, we're not, or at least I'm not going to get into, you know, the whole discussion of 
everything of why he passed and so forth. Um, you know that you can go ahead, Devon. Well, I also kind of want to tap tap on that just for a second. Um, I know today I've been looking at <clears throat> uh, Instagram posts of some of the people that he's worked with. Um, there was an actor who was in um, one of his last films who spoke on a news um, a news station today, and he talked about <clears throat> being on set with Chadwick and how. Um, there was a certain grace, but he also found him very precious just because of um, the team that he had with him and how, you know, every time he would get done with the take, you know, he would get his feet massaged or his hand massaged or, you know, his wife would be there holding his hand during the break, getting a sip of water. And um, this actor was like, you know, I felt like I kind of critiqued him because I didn't truly understand why he had that because at the time no one knew that he was battling cancer. And he was like, I just thought that, you know, he had this big head from doing all the Marvel stuff that, you know, he felt like he needed the, you know, masseuse on set and all that kind of stuff. But he was like, you know, I wish I would have known. And, you know, having that insight now and, and even myself going back and looking at his films. And I mean, this was somebody who I wanted to work with. Like, I mean, I went to college in his hometown, like, um, it's difficult because we all don't know what he truly was, was experiencing. All we know is the work yes. because he put so much effort into the work. And I think that's so special because this is an icon, like no one will ever be able to take that away from him. But also at the same time, it reminded me to make sure that I have really good people in my inner circle who are willing to sit with me when it gets really Ooh, difficult and won't take my come business on. and run it out in the street. They will sit with me and hold my hand when it gets really difficult because I've been looking at the interviews. I've been looking at the appearances and not once for a moment did he show himself mm-hmm. as um, mm-hmm. I can't do it or it's too much. And even if he felt that way, even if he had a moment in that car or in that office or in his house, we never saw it. And honestly, to be quite honest, and I don't like to compare artists, but I think a lot about Aretha Franklin and how when she left this earth, there was no scandal about her. There was no slander about her because she was the artist. She was the... um, professional that we do and loved and i can say the same about chatwick like there's no slander and when we talk about a legal team that literally kept his business in the wraps tight air that's how you can tell that that he had friends and listen to me he had friends and he had associates who he could trust his life with who could Mm. who could, who he could trust his business with and i think that's so special because now you got people who are so quick to get a buck they don't care but he had people around him who cared that much. They were like, you know what? No, we're going to do this and we're going to do it together. And I think that's really, really beautiful. Um, so no, I just kind of just wanted to absolutely. put that out there um, as well. And I just want really quickly, because this is why I didn't want to like go so much into, um, you know, his passing of what he passed from was because I don't want people to mistake the language of people praising him pressing forward and pressing through um, through cancer uh, as 
a way and as a measure stick for how people should navigate through hard times of life. And when people are, there are multiple people dealing with cancers and so forth that they physically do not have the strength to get out of bed and they physically cannot continue to work. And, you know, please do not, I, cause I've seen it on social media and I really hope people are not taking this lightly because of course you have the, I call it hustle people of social media who is like, if you're not grinding and if you're not working every day, then what are you doing with your life? And then to have Chadwick pass, you know, and for it to come out due to his passing, um, that he was working through cancer, people are like, oh, so you tell me this man literally produced, I mean, not produced, but, you know, gave us five different films between the time he found out he was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer to the time he passed. And you tell me you can't do nothing with your life. Let's not do that. Let's not, let's not do that. Okay, folks, let's not. Because there are literal conditions, you know, and there are people who are going through things. Let's not have this ableist mindset um, because it's really toxic and it just feeds into a narrative that we literally always have to work ourselves to the bone. And we don't. People have the right to rest. Say that. People have the right to sit down and take care of themselves. Especially when they're going through a life-altering and a terminal disease. They don't have to work through that. So don't make people don't let's not make that a common thing. Chadwick was able to, he wanted to, and was on his own volition, and we thank him for it. But if that man also wanted to sit his behind down and rest, he could have. So let's watch. Let's watch our language. But moving forward into why we are discussing Chadwick today, um, because I also want to talk about how we, I don't know, I just feel like Chadwick's passing and other people's passing um, recently of how we just honor death and honor grief. And, oh, go ahead, Brian. Oh, okay, okay. okay. No, 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 no. I wanted you to continue um, your thought. But, but yeah, how we honor death and mind. how we That's honor grief. Hand up. Um, and the, I had this conversation with Brian over the, the Brian over the phone. Um, you know, due to, there was this thing I saw on social media and it just sparked a conversation and, you know, of we give light and we give, we want to hold space for people like Chadwick, um, for black pillars in the community and so forth. Um, but there was also a discussion of we're not holding space for black LGBTQ people who and black trans women who are being slaughtered in the street. So we honor these people, but we don't honor the little people. The little people. Um, we choose to change banners. We want to erect statues for certain people, and not saying that some of these people 
are not worthy of erecting statues. Let me make myself very clear. Some people are very much worthy of being having a statue placed in their name in their cities. Um, but I just feel like as we navigate this of who we really honor and who we don't, um, it's just it's been very interesting um, because and how we honor people's death. Um, you know, this idea of. Because I know it's happening and I know people are going to do it. Chatwick being on a t-shirt, you know, and so forth and so forth. I mean, and going on. And I I don't sit well with the idea of people's death being commodified. Um, I don't sit well with people's death being turned into a meme, a.k.a. Breonna Taylor. Um, because, yes, I feel like we need to hold space. And if their life is lost due to an injustice, yes, speak their names, but let's be, let's try it very lightly of how we are going about their deaths um, and how we are choosing to hold space for them um, and so forth. So I'm kind of like rambling at this point, but that's our initial topic um, today. So, and we're going to, of course, dive into other things and the byproducts of all of this. But yes, so that's our initial topic. Here we go. Let's dive in. Let's head to the kitchen sink. All right, DeBryan, what you got? Whew. Okay. Um, so I want to start here. Um, I have seen... Oh, I don't want to sound so morbid, but I guess I'll say it this way. I have seen death take different forms. I've seen um, a death of self. Um, I've seen uh, a death around people who I may feel are a stranger to me, but also I feel connected to. Uh, And I've also seen death with a person who I have found to be very, very close um, as far as like in friendship to me. Um, and I think what my experience with death has taught me is that with honoring a life, um, you also have to honor the death as well and that you have to understand the importance of that space that is missing. You can't disregard that space because it is a space. Um, and that's the scary part because like, I remember when, um, my grandfather passed, I was like, what does this look like? Like, what does it look like when I go over to my grandmother's house and he's not there? It's different. There's not a space that can be filled of that because that person is gone. And so for me, when I was thinking about this conversation, you know, I was like, well, let's make it logical. I was on... Um, headline.com and it talked about the five stages of grief. Um, I will list them now. Um, you have denial, you have anger, you have bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And I feel like for me, um, one portion of that that I struggled with was acceptance. Um, you know, I tend to believe that we all carry a certain space upon the earth. 
And we ourselves are only the ones instructed and equipped to carry that certain space. And so when people pass, it's it's not a space that could be replicated. It's not a space that can be duplicated. Um, it's a space that's lost. It's a space that is going to continually be empty. And now certain people can fill that space, but they're not going to fill it to the certain um, depth that that person who has passed um, filled it previously. So um, for me, mm. you know, I think about certain people's experiences with death, whether that might be a friend or a loved one or a partner. It's difficult because a big part of it is accepting that life is going to be different. It's not going to be the same. Um, it's going to mm-hmm. look different, but also it's how we um, navigate through that difference because we do have to navigate through it. We can't sit in it. And it's a struggle because nothing can ever prepare you to lose someone. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And like with that, like when we, like death equals, let me make sure. Um, so, Death equals grief. Um, death is going to bring about grief. Um, but it's also very interesting that I have learned within myself um, and just how I, how I have experienced grief. Um, I feel like I'm saying griefed and not grief. Excuse me. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, it's very interesting because I don't know. I I have had family members pass. Um but when you talk about like death of like someone who is close to you, um is like really interesting because you would think these family members would be very close to me. Um cuz I've had my grandmother's on both my parents' side, so my maternal and uh, paternal grandmother pass. And I've seen people take it hard, but as for me personally, and as for me, as far as grieving, I necessarily didn't grieve. Um, And it's like, wow, gay, like, you must just be cold-hearted. But no, it's really, it's because my relationship to the people wasn't how do I say this without sounding like an asshole but um my relationship to the people wasn't like as connected you know I very much knew of my grandmothers um because what you have to understand about my dynamics with my family is that um I'm the youngest of a lot of or just about all of my cousins um, I was the youngest born, and by the time I came along, a lot of memories or things that my older siblings and sisters um had, I didn't experience because I wasn't around at the same time. So when they have some along stories and memories and experiences of my maternal grandmother, I don't have that because I was born very late um 
in reference to their upbringing. So when I would go, you know, I at the time I knew my mother, I mean, my grandmother was sick, but like I just didn't really like develop that connection with her. Um, and, you know, sort of the same thing for my paternal grandmother. And, you know, it's also just very interesting because of my upbringing. Both of my grandmothers lived in a country part of Mississippi and a country part of South Carolina. So with me, like growing up being a city boy, the fact that we was going to dirt roads and (laughs) in the middle of nowhere (laughs) to me, you know, I wasn't a fan of. So then like truly like going to visit them wasn't immediate experiences that, um, I attach it as like good experiences as um, something that was very, that I was like, I was happy and it brought me joy. It actually brought me a lot of like frustration and anger um, because I'm like, why are we going to middle fucking nowhere? Like to the literal middle of nowhere, I felt like to me, especially at that time frame. So... You know, so when it comes to, and I say all this is because, like, so when they pass and when I now look back on the grieving, um, because one passed when I was roughly around, like, I know I had to be in, like, fourth or fifth grade, I feel like. And then the other one passed when I was, I want to say, like, a sophomore in high school. Um, So there was, like, some time, a big chunk of time between their passing. And I just, I never really grieved. You know, I never was, I don't recall being sad. Um, I don't recall working through the stages of grief because to me, I didn't have any stages to work through. Um, Which is now like looking back on, you know, it's very interesting because like as far as you, DeBron, I know you lost your grandfather and that was something like very hard for you and you're still at the same time, you know, in a way working through your process of grief. Um, But like for me, I don't, I don't know what my process looks like. I don't know what grief looks like for me. You know, I know the idea, the idea of losing people, but I don't know what it feels like to lose people that was gut-wrenching my heart breaks. Um, Of course, you know, I like hope space and, you know, knowledge that they were my grandmothers like you know they gave birth to my parents but as far as like really having that sentimental and solid relationship to them I didn't have that so when their passings came it didn't really come as something heartbreaking to me um so yeah so like when we talk about grief it's just very interesting that we always have to acknowledge because like when you talked about the relationships and how you started off, you know, the discussion, um, is really an idea of the relationship, and the relationship plays a integral role in how you're going to honor the person in their death and how you're going to honor your process of grief. Um, yeah, and you What's know, you like I I, I will yeah, say with this too. Um, what you just said brought me to like another point that when processing grief, 
grief, <laughs> LOLs, when you're processing <laughs> grief, um, there is this fine line of serving other people, but not serving yourself. And mm. I feel like what I have seen in my personal life, you try to be on to make sure everybody gets what they need and that they do this, that, and the third. And then at the end of the day, two weeks go by and you realize, wow, I haven't processed everything that I need to process. Mm. And it's only because I was so worried about my parents and my friends and them checking on me and me answering the phone. So they don't think I'm like somewhere like, you know, spiraling, Mm -hmm. like, like I felt the need to like be on all the time. And then two weeks go by and you realize, okay, wow. Like these certain moments or these certain memories that I felt a certain type of way toward my grandfather, I feel now this type of way. Cause now I see those moments were actually him trying to, to be, you know, um, invested or him trying to show support. And, and at the moment in my mind, I'm thinking he doesn't understand. He doesn't care. It's whatever. But now I look back and I'm just like, no, like this was what, this was the capacity that he held. But because I didn't see that same capacity as valid, now I I feel like I've missed out because I didn't hold that moment as close as I should have. And so, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's like you're in this like purgatory of like self-analyzing all the experiences that you've had with this one person. And for me, it just wasn't with my grandpa. It was with friends of mine who had passed and it's been with other family members who have passed, church members who have passed. And I'm just like, you know, what did each moment, what did each interaction that I have, what did that mean? Did it have a deeper meaning? Did I miss a gym that was dropped? Did I miss a moment of love? And I was so worried about getting to the next event or to the next location that I missed out. And for me, it's like you get into this moment of like spiraling and not even realizing that you're spiraling. Wow. Hmm. That's something to process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I feel when you when you don't take the time, and I know like in our phone conversation about this, you know, we took we talked about how unfortunately we're living in a culture and in a society where, you know, you get a week off to grieve, to grief. To grieve. No, grieve. Yes, that's what. Sorry, folks. Um, you only get like a week off and like people expect you to bounce back and to come back and to be operating at a tip top shape so soon, so quickly. Um, and I feel like that's another thing that feeds into how people end up spiraling and how people never, especially when it's like your loved one. Um, because like let's just quickly like talk about the process of you're having to once the person passes, um, and say it's your parent, um, your spouse or whatever. Now you are the person who has to put on this event because at the end of the day, you know, we talk about um. Funerals being, you know, a time of celebration and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, a funeral is still an event. If you want to look at it like at its surface level, it it is an event. And putting on an event means having communications, you know, preparing items, preparing things. And you're having to do this all within 
funeral turnarounds are sometimes a week, two weeks max. And that's from the moment the person passes. And let's also get so into you're not two weeks going hard. Let's also get into like the scheduling of the event. You got people coming in from out of town. You right. got setting up like a burial, viewing if you're choosing to do that. Um, who's serving the food afterward? What church is the person getting buried at? I mean, hello, you know, rest in peace. So, Granny, we don't have to transport the body, right? You know, to a whole nother city, to other than the state, right? And right. you know, like I recently, I, I thought about you know, George Floyd's passing and how like he literally was like, he like had like a tour of like funerals. And like, I thought about his family and his like immediate family. Like they're have they're having to re- relive the worst day of their lives mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. and over again, just because the world, the country wants to also be a part of that moment. But at the end of the day, they're trying to seek justice and grieve. Hmm. But it's very interesting that you brought up George Floyd and, like, the funerals that were held for him, you know, because, again, it's just it's this idea of how we honor people's death. And, you know, I feel like in people's initial instincts and instincts to have a funeral at several different locations, you know, and want the family to be there and so forth, um, I feel like a lot of times when it comes to honoring people's death, we honor the death very selfishly. And the idea and masking it and the idea is that we're we're doing this for this person, but also low-key at the end of the day is really just for ourselves. So we feel good and that we feel that we have done something for we have honored this person um, and honored their life. And this is not me saying, like, you know, we need to put a halt on funerals and all that kind of stuff. Like, no, like, people's lives need to be honored. But I just really think when we look at things and the cooks and, you know, crannies of it all, it's like, are we really doing this as something for the person or are we doing this as for ourselves? Um And then when it comes to like, you know, celebrity deaths and social justice deaths, you know, again, this just brings me back to (laughs) what I said earlier. You know, it's when it comes to their deaths, how when we honor their deaths, let's make sure like we honor theirs, but we honor also all the people in between. Because I feel like sometimes when we honor these celebrities, you know, especially in Black culture and so forth, um, we honor very certain celebrities, but then everybody else gets kind of left by the wayside or doesn't receive as much just, I don't want to say justice, but um, as much Airtime, you know, airtime on social media, airtime on television, airtime on everything is just very, and we always pick and choose about who deaths do we do the most for? Mm-hmm. Who deaths do we put on the biggest show for? 
and the other people's just get left. I mean, I got a perfect example. Um, I remember when Etna James passed and how when they had that funeral, every singer on the planet was there and it was a little concert. concert. Mm-hmm. Everybody sung the songs that she was most famous for. And at the end of the day, is that how you really honor a person? Like by just singing songs? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. when you talked about the countless black people who have died, when you talk about the countless trans people who have died, um, we do need to be holding space for them. And it isn't just, you know, live streaming a funeral or, you know, having, you know, a tribute documentary. Like, like it is as simple as saying, we speak your name. It Mm. is as simple as remembering the precious moments, the beautiful moments, because, you know, at the end of the day, when you think about someone who has passed, you don't want that funeral where it's completely silent, no one's speaking, and all you hear are, are tears. You want to see and you want to be a part of those celebration, as the church calls it, homegoing services, mm-hmm. where you speak mm-hmm. on the life. You speak of um, the beautiful, precious moments that that person shared with those in the room. Because it is about the life. It isn't about the death. It's about celebrating the life of that human being. And I feel like kind of like what you said, we get to a point where we kind of get to the idea of idolizing a person and how um, Mm -hmm. we get so um, caught up in the moment. And it's not so much about being caught up. It's about honoring the person, honoring... um, the life that they led and the life that they continually leave because your legacy is how you live. It's not about what you did hereafter. It's about how you lived. When we talk about Whitney's legacy, we talk about the bops that she gave, um, the representation that she gave for young Black women. We don't talk about how she went out. And I think that's what's important. I think, you know, Kind of like what I said before, like, you know, you do have those stages of grief, but like also too, like everybody fills out that grief in different ways. Like for some people, it's them in their room crying all day. For some, it's them not crying at all, but you do need to take a mm-hmm. breath. Yes. Because yes, you yes. can you can literally physically get there. And we've also talked about this before, which leads us to my next point. Like the body holds trauma. And some people don't process things the way that they need to. Therefore, when you see someone who um, passes um, and then you don't deal and then another person passes, it's like you get hit twice. It's like you get the same blow to the same place. And, you know, when a person passes, it's not easy. It doesn't get easier. But at the same time, you should still process everything equally. And you're never going to get over it either. (laughs) You're never going to get over it. But at the same time, you have to allow yourself to fill out your feels, as I would say with any of my friends who know me. Like, you got to fill everything out because you deserve that to yourself. And you deserve Mm -hmm. to honor that person's life by continually living because you didn't die with them. I had to say that too. Yes. 
Yes, 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 yes. Continually living, continue to, I feel like continuing to, the best way to hold space for a person who is no longer here is to absolutely go guns blazing until your time is called. I mean, and go hard and go for everything, go boss to wall, like, and truly living your life out to its fullest. Um, and when it comes to, you know, maybe like, say it's a, you know, an activist like John Lewis and so forth. Like his like, we as a black community, the best way to honor him is to continue his work. To see wherever he started and make sure it's finished through. You know, um, for like Chadwick, the best way to honor Chadwick is to continue to pick up that man's grace, integrity, his love and compassion, and continue to do that. That's the best way to honor a person. We don't need... Kimmy, <clears throat> when I say this, <laughs> we don't need statues. Your banner doesn't need to be changed. You know... Yes, however you need that moment of like letting people know that like Chadwick was someone important to you, John Lewis was someone important to you, the person who have died as um due to the police brutality and gun violence, um and black trans women, like continue to live their life and continue to do what they would do and what they will hope for you as a person, as their friend, as a follower of their tribe to do. Like, yes, go ahead, friend. Um, so just because I want to hear you correctly and I want you to clarify, because you said something about um, statues being put up. As you and me both know, um, in the city of Anderson, they are trying to petition to get a Confederate statue taken down and in replace, or in its place, um, they want a statue of Chadwick Boseman. And for me, you know, when I think of a dark and ugly history, I would much rather something beautiful and something powerful and something respectful be in its place. But also at the same time, mm-hmm. um, are we are we respectfully honoring a person's death with their statue? Because I can see it both ways. And mm-hmm. I tend to believe that mm-hmm. we are honoring it in a beautiful way because he, he was a big facet in how we view superheroes. Yes, 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 yes. He, he was... He, was a big, a big um, operator in that narrative. And what I've said recently to other friends of mine is that, you know, with Black Panther, it showed Black kids, they can be the villain. You can be the civilian. You can be the superhero. You can be the first Mm -hmm. responder. You can be whatever you want to be. You don't have to be this monolith of the best friend or the servant. And that was so important to the community. And so- Or the person in prison. Right, Right. So for me, it's like, you know, I do want to see his statue put up. I think it's important because that also changes the narrative of making sure that as a country, we're leaving a legacy that is of respect, that is of honor, that is of human decency, 
because some of the some of the statues that I see recently don't show that. Mm-mm. Hmm. As far as the statue goes, and I know I literally just said like seconds ago that <laughs> we don't need statues, you know, as far as like honoring. Um, but like, I feel like in this moment, a statue is is necessary. Um, because I think for this, this will also read more as a moment of and then evolvement because with the current confederate statue being you know there it's i'm not saying we forget our history but i also feel that we should be showing signs and strides of evolving our future and evolving our present and evolving as a country and that that Confederate statue from 1800, whoever that person was from 1800, somewhere up in there, like the 1900s, that what that thing stands for is still not relevant today in 2020. That we have left that ideology and now have moved to a place of better understanding, of growth, of making sure that every person in this country is seen and therefore humanity. And with their death, how are we paying it forward? Mm. How are we Mm. making strides to where the legacy that they leave are still inspiring other people? Because kind of like what was said beforehand, like, you know, we have a show like Pose that's showcasing a community that normally isn't showcase to this capacity in television Mm -hmm. yet when Mm -hmm. it comes to the nominations only the cis male character has been nominated i have a problem with that so at the Mm -hmm. end of the day what are we doing to change the narrative are we opening up more categories or are we taking the categories and we're just taking out gender as a whole where it's just about the best performer because that's what it's about anyway because we're all storytellers so i think of things like that um, because I think at the end of the day, um, there's more work to be done. And I think that, like I said before, like, like, I mean, when you talk about these stages of grief, like, you know, you may be in the, in the step of depression, but at the end of the day, there should be something, um, that you, how I'm trying to say this, like, I think with, for instance, with the stage of depression, there's no blueprint, there's no book that you can read of how not Mm -hmm. to be less depressed. But at the end of the day, I think there should be memories, there should be steps, there should be moments that you can connect with that can also bring you moments of joy, of peace. Mm -hmm. So when I think about paying it forward, that may mean writing a play about that loved one. That may be writing a song. Mm. That might be journaling about a memory that you hold close. Because at the end of the day, no one can take away the experience that you have with that person. 
And I think that's what I kind of am kind of like tying it all together with. It's about the time that we spend with one another Um, because life is precious and life is short. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when I pass, I want people to connect to those moments. I want them to connect to um, the gems that were dropped, to the laughs that we shared, to the Mm -hmm. dances that were created. (laughs) Um, Because I don't want us to dwell on those last moments. Because no one wants to do that. No one wants to mm-hmm. wake up and choose to get out of the bed thinking about the last moment. Because the thing about it is that I'm no longer suffering. I know that's for sure. So yeah. I want you to celebrate the joyful times because there's still times to be joyful. Open up a school in my name. Open up scholarships in my name. Do that. Make sure that my name is still bringing about peace and joy. Because mm. the soul, the spirit, lives on. Death is not the final door. Hey, Shatat. Shatat. We can just, you know what I'm saying? Ooh. Ooh, child. Come on, that's it. That's it, that's it, that's it. No, but it's de- definitely like... And I also just want to throw out here really quickly. You know... um, Working through grief, um, and the same thing goes for grief, healing, you know, all of that kind of thing. Don't ever think that this is a linear process. This process at all is never linear, will never be linear. You never move from one and think you, you leave that stage. It's cyclical. And you can bounce around this circle however you see fit in your life. Yes, you may be at the place of healing and then something may just send you right on back to depression. And that's okay. Honor that. Dwell in that, understand that, and then see and move about your way back to healing. Like whatever, but like, please understand when it comes to your soul and Moving from stage to stage to stage to stage is that you are not moving in a linear process. It's not. Because life is not linear. The earth is not linear. Circle. Wow. Wow. Circle holds so many things. The idea of circle and cyclical and like. Yeah, I'm just I'm gonna stop there. And I would say this as well. I would say this as well. If you are one of these people who are currently grieving, who are in the process of grieving, I encourage you, if you have a Disney Plus account, to go and watch Black is King. Because Mm -hmm. if anything, Mm -hmm. it will remind you that we all have a place. We all deserve to be seen. Come on. And we all deserve to feel like we have a place. Um that it's going to bring us in, but also send us out the way that we need to be sent out. Mm. And I think that's something beautiful because at the end of the day, we are going to leave this earth eventually. Hello. So what's important is that we make the best of the time that we have now and that we are cultivating a space that we ourselves will be proud of. Because at the end of the day, if you felt like what you did today was not what you want to leave this earth with. Recreate your space. 
You have Ooh. power. You hold the power. Because at the end of the day, when you leave this earth and when your friends, your family get up to give your eulogy or what have you, or if you may choose the your you know, your your body burned, however however you, you wish to be sent out. Those are the people who are speaking on your behalf. You're not coming back mm-hmm. to give your own eulogy. It's the people that you <laughs> are in connection to. Yeah. And you have the power of what those people are gonna say. Bryant! <laughs> the word. The word. Yo, Debrian is giving a sermon on today. I'm just saying, Beyonce said you are a part of something way bigger. Bigger than you, you right. bigger than me. You know how I am about that song. Listen, you, know you and me both. You and me both. And you're gonna rise. Rise. Hey. If I can leave you with anything else, anything else this season, rise. Take space. Because oh, you God. matter. You matter. No matter what the media says, no matter what political standings say, you matter. Shut up. Oh, God. Oh, y'all. Debron is sending me. Y'all, I think I'm about to be on this. Oh, good thing you can't see this podcast. Woo, chat. Woo. Y'all, just take your moment. Take your moment. Y'all, I'm trying to lay this wig back down because the Brandon shifted it. He has. Whoo, Jesus. That's it. That's it. And I, and I don't know, honey, we're going we're gonna to leave the kitchen sink. Let me go turn this oven on so we can put it up on 350 degrees. <laughs> And tell the people who what art we're consuming because that's it, y'all. That's it. Whoo, child. Oh, God. I don't know why that just really got to me. Oh, phew. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're here. We're here. We're back. Okay. Let's. I think the oven has now preheated. Should we go um, put something in the oven and turn up on the heat real yes, quick? Yes, yes. We'll hop on right on out of here. Um, but before we do that, do y'all want advice or no? Because I need y'all to send something for this unclog the sink <laughs> section. I mean, if you don't want our help, that's fine. Just say that to you. And then me and the prime were going on about our business. <laughs> But I'm gonna need y'all to send us. And at this point, we'll talk about anything. So if you send it in, we'll we'll answer. Literally anything. It may not be the advice that you want to hear, but I'll give it to you because I love to unpack things, as you can tell. So, (laughs) hello, and I'll give you advice. It may not be advice that you want to. It might not be advice that you want to follow suit, but we will give you advice because. What I say, what I do for me and my household. Oh, Lord. Again, if you want to submit something, any question to the Unclaw the Sink section, um, our email is and the kitchen sink pod at gmail.com. 
Divine is giving us an interpretive dance. I'm so glad y'all cannot see this. Um, our Instagram is that means pie. Yeah. Sure. What, what is it? That Are means you podcast zoom. Get out. <laughs> Anywho, our Instagram is TT and the kitchen sink pod. DM us, email us. But do not slide in my personal DMs because I will not reply. So, <laughs> thank you. Y'all are more than welcome to slide in my DMs. I am single and I love the Lord. Please hit me up. Please. Oh, now. <laughs> We're going to continue to our next segment. Of 360 okay. degrees. 360 or 350, friend? Oh, I'm trying to burn stuff. I'm sorry. 350 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> <laughs> he trying to shut this shit out. He trying to shut this shit out. Yeah, come to my house because I can't cook. Anyway, um, so what are you me? What are you listen, me? Um, so I have to give a quick shout out to my co-host Gabe because he gave me his HBO Max account. Um, yes. I have really been stuck on black people curating and producing content i have become the person because it's the shit that we need black shit for black people and i have become the person to where if i look at your movie i'm gonna look at who produced it i'm gonna look at who wrote it and i'm gonna look at who acted and performed in it and hbo has really truly been hitting their marks with the type of content. But also shout out to HBO, shout out to Showtime, and shout out to Netflix because they're attempting. Um, but I'm really <laughs> grateful. <laughs> no, attempting is good. We Listen, we bless God for the attempt, okay? Uh, um, yo, that was shade. That was not shade. <laughs> Don't let this man for you. They have a lot of content. They have a lot of content. Um, so I'm going to talk about the shows that I looked at recently. Um, so, <laughs> so I went and I watched Watchmen because this is the first time that I've had an HBO account and my God, I got fully consumed, fully consumed. The show is good. The it show is, is really, 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 really good. And I also have enjoyed watching that back to back with Lovecraft Country because it truly has taught me what's scarier, white supremacists or ghosts and demons. Ooh. I mean- Take your pick. Literally take your pick. Um, but um, I want you to know that black people have to live through both at the same time currently. At this, moving on. At the same time! <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. And looking at the parallels between the two shows and also the current state of our country is mind-boggling. It keeps me up at night. It makes me sweat a little bit. Um, but I'm grateful because... I have this visual art that I can consume, but it's also low-key kind of cathartic. Um, And I'm specifically speaking to Journey Smollett's amazing portrayal um, as Letty Lewis in Lovecraft Country. Like, I need you to get on that. I just want to quickly insert, because I have not um, started the show yet because I want to binge it. But when I say I have nothing, I have heard nothing but rave reviews about sis acting down on this here screen. Like people are saying she is doing her great acting. Okay. When I say sis reached into her bag and pulled out Emmy worth, Golden Globe worth, everything. And next award season, if I don't see her name in any of the categories, burn the shit down. 
like that's on period. I have always been a Journey fan, but it's just something about this role that she's specifically playing where she's not missing a take. She's not missing a scene. She's giving me everything that I need in this show. But also, it's also just a really good, strong cast. And I'm going to say this right now because I'm manifesting it. Um, Come on. I'm going to work with um, Anjanae Ellis. I think that's how you say her name. Uh, Anjanae Ellis. Praise God! Praise God from whom all blessed. Ah. Um, he didn't have I, to be corrected on someone's name. Y'all, let's take a moment. We thank God in these streets, period. Um Y'all, I love her. I love Miss Ellis. And again, because I've had time during quarantine, like watching her (laughs) and everything. (laughs) Sis deserves all the things. And I look forward to the moment that I get to look at her in the face and tell her how much I love her. Because I feel like she's the aunt I've always wanted. She is so slept on. Like so slept on. And I'm just wild how slept on she is. Yes. I remember like, it is actually a little nerve wracking. Like, like because here's the thing, here's the thing about it. Before I knew her name, I had seen her in so many things and I've always been like visually just attracted to her. Like, oh my gosh, who's this person in the back? What is she doing? I love everything that she's doing. Like I remember watching Quantico with her guest appearance on it. And she was stealing the scenes. And I was like, come through, come on hair, come on makeup. And then fast forward to Maddie Moss. And I was like, I know who that woman is. Because she fully, fully embodied Maddie Moss Clark. Hello. Fully embodied. And there was a movie on Netflix where she, gosh, it was about this woman who was doing something for her school district so she could get her son, um, better resources into or get him into a private school. Um, and she was playing like this politician. Again, when I say sis drops into characters and fully embodies. Listen, her and Angela Bassett are nothing to be played with. Cause they fully, fully chew embodied. up they fully chew up them roles. Like it it is so hard to like almost begin to disconnect them from their characters because they <laughs> they are so in those characters' mindsets. Yes. Like, these are not just choices. They're not making random choices and picking choices from the sky and be like, oh, I'm going to do this for the scene. No. They are thinking as the character. That part. They are thinking as the character and making character choices that make sense and then following through with it. The follow-through is what it's the follow-through for me. And sorry, can I give like a, a quick actor tip? Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. I love to see messy actors. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna I'm gonna expound on why I say messy. Because when I think of Viola Davis, when I think of Angela Bassett, when I think of Miss Ellis, there is something about a performer who is willing to get fully reckless for the camera, who doesn't mind looking ugly, who doesn't mind sweating out their their weave, like they fully embody. Fully embodied, and I'm very grateful that she's one of those people. Let me tell you where I have I'm putting in the oven and turning up the heat on. Um, if you have not watched P Valley, that is P V A L L E Y, 
I need you to do that immediately. Like now. Okay. I need you streaming, watching now. Because here is why. And Chuck Elisa, those girls are sliding up and down that pole and giving performances. And when I say Katori Hall, if you just somehow ever stumble upon this podcast, I want you to know that since you did your excellent writing, I mean excellent writing for the show. If you didn't think strippers were humans and people who should be seen as having their full humanity, Katori will change your mind because says, because this is it. This is the content we want to see. This is the content that we deserve. And I also love the fact that Patrick Ian Polk, who is a legend in my mind because he is the brainchild that gave us Noah's Ark, which was so integral and so instrumental in my up and coming as a gay black male in this world. And he is partnering and he's another executive producer on this here show. And when I say both of them, Together is making magic. Magic. I mean, you get sucked in. You think you live in Chuckalisa. You do. You think you going down to the pink and that you're about to save Uncle Clifford and get the pink restored, okay? The pink ain't going nowhere. And also, if you're looking for a little show, you know, that um, gets you hot and bothered. This is also the show for you, okay? <laughs> if you're like, I don't consume pornography, <laughs> <laughs> this is a great substitute, okay? Because I tell you, because we're seeing it all. No, like legit, we're seeing it all. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Me and the girls are here for it. Well, on that note, do you want to take us out, Mr. Terry? Let's take us out. Oh, also, another, I want to give you a nice reading. Um, I Don't Want to Die Poor by Michael Arsenio. Get into that as well. Okay. And as we head on out, We want to say throughout this podcast, we hope this is a time of what elevation, what revelation, and a moment of meditation. Hmm. I'm in the closet. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys, for joining us for another episode of this, that, and the motherfucking kitchen sink. This is why we have expletive marks on our podcast. Good night, everyone. Bye.